I'm not going to be spooky this year, dude. I don't have a costume ready. Good, good, good. You think, oh, so I should just go as myself? It'd be the first year I've ever done so. Um, I'm just not a dress-up human. You never have been. See, I, I mean, that's I, like literally not accurate, but only because when I was a little kid, like obviously I dressed up. Right, but famously I've been as an adult, I have never dressed up. That's I'm, a, I'm a dress-up adult. I'm essentially a uh, normie cosplayer. Dude, that's totally fine. I know, but I don't have anything this year. And I, I tried to pull the Discord, and they just said cosplay. I'm like, right. I still need to find a costume for that. Like, I still right. need to find a cause for that play, you know? I don't have a cause. I'm causeless. I don't know what to do about that. But maybe I, I'll just go as myself this year. Be me, you know? Be a real... A real OG of the a real, streets. A, a real OG of the streets <laughs> and just go as Prof Rick as Prof Rick. And, yes. and why would you want to be anything else? <laughs> Who, yeah, I encourage everyone else to be that as well. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that costume would look like, but go buy flannel. Like that'll, that'll, <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. That's about it, honestly. All right, I need you to clap me. Welcome back to a spooky episode of Webology Podcast. I went, I, I was trying to go Dracula, but I went I want announcer. to suck your blood. Exactly. <laughs> I am your back, Professor Ricky. What is up, everybody? You still recall who I am. I'm Ethan. Last week, I did a solo ep where I went through real <laughs> true crimes in Japan. I listened to that on the plane ride back from my work trip. Fire, dude. Uh, fire it was, fucking it was fire research that was good that was fun like it was a good time yeah for me. so um leading into this week's episode it actually is like hilariously sort of in line with what was going on it kind of has a nice arc right. trajectory for it but it is the spooky season it's the halloween week at time of recording ethan you're not a you're not a spooky boy are you you're not a fan of horror you're not a fan of uh the spooks i would say yeah so Obviously, growing up, I really, really hated horror. Okay. I hated anything related to that. Uh, I would just get, like, really, really scared when I was young. I was going to ask. And what? then I just, like, died inside or something. And, like, now nothing fucks with me except for, like, real things that could happen in real life. So you this, know? this is new info that it's not necessarily that you are adverse to horror. It's just that horror has no effect on you, really. Right. Interesting. I always thought it's just like, I don't like being scared. It's that... Well, now I just, I'm like <laughs> numb to everything that isn't... Like, I think the most fucked up shit is like, like real life things that could happen. Like, for instance, uh, like a massive fear of mine would be like going to, to prison for something you legitimately didn't do. So something that could actually happen right. to you and destroy your life. Right. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask, what was the scariest thing you saw as a wee lad or now that you think, like, to this day, is an actual scary piece of media? But maybe that's a different answer for adult you than kid you. Yeah, so I think young me was my family was watching The Exorcist, and That'll I was do it. behind them on the stairs watching, like, because I was being a little shit. So you're kind of like through the through, yes, the, through the, the stair posts, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, I was watching it. Pretty terrifying, truthfully. It is. A, um, it's, it's a very well constructed piece of horror for sure. But I also I also just think like anything that is like spirit and ghost related, but like like actual 
like demons and stuff like that. I'm a ghost guy. I'm a ghost guy, dude. I don't know. I'm not a big slasher slasher uh, flick guy. I love supernatural. I want horror. I want stuff that I can't like again to your point. The slasher stuff is something that can actually happen. I don't want to watch that on a screen. I want to watch something that I could only see produced by a film. And I think supernatural fits the bill for me. Well, like slasher, I feel like even if you're in a real scenario where it's like that, you'll at least get one good punch back. You'll in. get one good you know clock I mean? on the chin. You'll feel like I did something. But if right. you were like genuinely being haunted by a demon, like you are fucked and there's nothing you can do about it. What could it. you do? There's literally right. no, there's no home security unit. There's no, <laughs> there's no Amazon ring set that'll let you, let, let you <laughs> ADT con- anti-demon t- there, that is, It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Paranormal activity as a movie only works because it can only capture the after effects of a haunting right it does nothing to to make you safe which is hilarious to me but also terrifying but you know yeah i mean i i was genuinely as a however old we were when paranormal activity came out i was thinking it was like early high school i was pretty afraid of that movie it was so raw like it was one of those things that like ten thousand dollars created millions of dollars in a franchise right. because it was that raw it was that real and you're like maybe that maybe they crossed the bridge for you right it was so raw that like it looked like it's something that could happen. Like, well, it maybe, also just seemed like something that could totally happen. You're like, oh, yeah. fuck. Like how helpless you'd be in the face of a haunting. Right. You know, but speaking of hauntings. Very good. Thank you. Today, <laughs> we're talking about a show that has been recently touted as uh, gotten a little bit of the gander the, of the anime community to be uh, an, a horror offering in the space. But. Ethan, I got to offer it up top that I loved the show we're going to talk about today for everything that wasn't actually horror. Like, I'm not necessarily saying this show is a masterpiece. It is not. And I think it does open a wider conversation. And this show does a good job of exemplifying what does not work and why horror anime doesn't still work. And I think there's things that anime as a medium or maybe as a set of tropes are need to move away from in order for horror anime to really take off. And if they were ever to finally escape these shackles, then maybe just maybe we might get a real good, scary horror anime. But I don't necessarily think this one is quite it yet. But I still think there's a lot to love here. So, Ethan, (laughs) what are we talking about today so finally <laughs> we are talking lo- about long walk but i like the view i don't yeah, know it was a nice <laughs> nice little journey we were watching or watched dark gathering yes. so it is currently running uh we watch it on high dive yes high dive for sure and you came up with this as a uh like an option to do this this day because of spooky day tomorrow it felt right yeah um but I'm just going to blow my load early. I absolutely loved this show. You love this? Okay. Love, 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 love this show. Ethan's been a fucking coy little boy all day because I just got back like early this morning from my work trip and uh, Ethan's like, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm going to not say a single thing. And I saw him watching it downstairs. I'm in it to episode 13. So we're going to focus on the first core. So there is six other episodes. You can probably give a little bit of details on it after that. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think the show was actually quite good, but again, I, I think that, uh, for all of the horror elements of it, 
it felt a little flat for me, but that is just a, as a huge fan, a big nerd fan of horror, it fell flat for me. But every other part of the show, the characters and the way it's paced, I really did love it as well. I think it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. So there's some like really, I think, important things to talk about here from from like a um, does it do a good job as a show? Does it do a good job as a horror? Sure. Like, sure. You know, yada, yada. So first of all, I think what's really I think anime struggles to get across as far as horror comes into play is like like there's only so much like ghosts and stuff can be scary. Uh, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I think in the medium of anime, I think it's true for sure. I think in an animated format, I think that's 100 percent true. Because I think what makes like true horror movies potentially like scarier is really like the ambiance in general. It's it's always yeah. the suspense leading up to something. That's that is the the notion of dread. It's not the jump scares. It's not like the oh no big big reveal or plot twist. It's establishing that like something's not okay here for a long stretch of time. Right. So I'll give an example. Um, I, this must have been 2017. There was this movie that came out called It Comes at Night. I love It Comes at Night. So I also oh, really, really liked It Comes so at Night. So good. But it's it's all suspense. It's all like you're taught on the edge of your seat, just like really, I guess, overall uncomfortable with the situation and what could happen. Absolutely uncomfy. Just, ew. But... Like nothing, I guess, really happens the whole movie, right? Right, right. It's it's about bringing you up to that precipice and never letting you come down, never giving you the catharsis of like a resolution, right? And making you walk away with that feeling, right? I love and it. So I suggested it to some of my friends, and they like hated the movie because they were like, "Well, nothing really happens." I'm like, "You gotta be in it for the freaking journey, boys and girls." The irony is, a lot of Western horror actually, like comes to a resolution at up to maybe like the 2010s like the really good stuff insidious oculus a lot of these other even the babadook which is kind of comically clowned on for its final act a lot of them don't have a resolution and i think a lot of western audiences are not are not savory for that they're looking for their their final their their full arc right right so i think there's um the other thing is there's there's things that are people inherently fear there's like the fear of the dark that is inherently in humanity because unknown unknown things are out there. It's dangerous. I could die in the dark. I can't see what's happening. Exactly. There's think about Jaws. Jaws, when it first came out, scared everybody away from the beach for like multiple years. Dude, can I give a, a tiny story about my family with a movie just like that? Absolutely. <laughs> we were going to go on our first family camping trip. To Jurassic night, Park. To Jurassic Park. <laughs> but then we watched the fucking movie and we're like, hell no. And my mommy was like, Jeff Goldblum said not to go. And then we didn't. But no, we they actually the night before watched the Blair Witch Project. Insane. And they canceled our fucking trip because they watched that movie. And it's because if you watch the Witch Project, it's literally about things in the dark in the woods that you just don't know about. Like it, at the end of the day, it's all about the unknown. Like I think that's the scariest stuff is things breaching the unknown into what we consider the known, and uh, it, it completely violates what we consider safe. You know, a camping trip, the beach, those things that we think are fun and nice and happy. Nope, not in these movies, not in these narratives. You're fucked. Don't go there. 
and we didn't. And I'm very upset about that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you're past the point where you should probably just get over that one. You know, no, I am over it, but so, you know, some of my siblings are not. I'm talking to you guys. You'll never watch this. It's fine, but it's cool. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but it all stems back to what you're saying, right? Right. They, so, they were, yeah, the you really got to tap into those like genuine fears, right? I think uh, some some like, I guess, mainstream movies that I think of that did an interesting job was, did you ever watch the Netflix movie Hush? Of course. Hush is so good. Like Just The idea of like being, I guess, disabled in that you're deaf. Right. You, you, do, you are lacking a sense and then a killer is capitalizing on your inability. Like entirely on the fact that you do not have that sense. You want to talk about a masterclass in silence? Like that movie is it. Like, yeah, it's incredibly well done. Well, it's I think it's the same idea of like, oh, I'm scared of the dark because I don't know what's out there. But it's just the other sense, right? Right, right. It, it, it's another part of the unknown, right? She never had the ability to hear. But I think what doesn't translate well is most of the uh, Eastern, I guess, ideals like what they're really afraid of is what you see in these types of shows. They're afraid of like the hungry ghost, which I mentioned last week um, as like a, it's, it's really a uh, Shinto slash Buddhist principle of like an unfulfilled life and coming back and like taking out revenge kind of thing. Like we have poltergeists, we have things like that, but they're not top of mind. Whereas their entire culture was built off of like, uh, Buddhism, but as like a Anglo-Saxon, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's fair at, at its core culture. Like their spirits existed, ghosts existed, but it was never like the foundational building blocks of our society. Yeah. And that's why I feel like these are probably significantly more um, terrifying to people from that place. Yeah, and and I did a little research because I did uh, a class on Japanese modern uh, media in college, and I did a paper on Japanese versus Western horror. And the one thing that has been a striking difference is that Eastern and Japanese horror has always capitalized on the bastardization or the corruption of what we deem safe rather than Western horror, which is an invasion of that safe space. You think... You know, like slasher flicks, people invading. The ghost has been let in by some seance, by some something that someone did to let the evil in. Where you have the grudge, the ring as famous examples in Western that has been adapted from Eastern horror, where the space itself, the things considered safe, the TV, the home in, in and of itself without outside intervention is corrupted. And a lot of Eastern horror is the corruption of what we consider, you know, the safest spaces. So like you're saying, like Shinto shrines have commonly been considered like haunted in and of themselves, right? No one brought them here. They, they, they are just, they have been haunted by their own means. So what we consider safe to go there to pray has been bastardized, has been like corrupted of, yeah, its, own, like- of its own fruition, right? And then it becomes unsafe suddenly. And we see that a couple times in this show, which is interesting. Um, so I, I mean, I but think I that's think an actually, it's a more genuine part. I think it's a more genuine horror there. Right. But I think there is like precedence in that. I don't, I guess I'm going to call it a religion. Sure. Where like in, uh, an altar or a shrine is abandoned and not looked after anymore. 
like the spears do twist oh. in, in that so maybe maybe ideal. The, yeah maybe the human's interaction is like their lack of commitment to the space yes. has made its corruption right interesting okay um and that's just from my understanding from the research i've done that whether right. that has anything to do with anything on this show I'll i don't stamp, know i'll stamp that i'm into that. um one thing i will say is we're only going to be like primarily talking about the first 13 but it gets like significantly creepier and creepier every episode past 13 which really? is unfortunate that you have not experienced that maybe we'll follow up because like, i think yeah. the most recent episodes were like genuine horror that like it it has like ants crawling around inside you kind wow. of kind of scenario that's my vibe because it's like dude. real life things that are fucked up okay it, can i give a little synopsis before we go, go in? for it got you so what we start out with is our boy, uh, Kitaro, who uh, is a college student and tutor by afternoon guy who in his past that we learned very, very quickly that was cursed by a very nasty spirit. He always had the ability to sense and like very sensitively be attuned to spirits, but he was cursed by a nasty spirit when he got involved a little too heavy with one and one of his longtime friends in the past was also cursed in a way that made him feel guilty. Like for the rest of his like uh, adult life, he spent a couple of years trying to be reclusive because he didn't want anyone else to get hurt. But that same friend re- rehabilitated him and he became like top of his class when he finally got to college. So he he's a smart lad. He's a, he's a very uh, brainy boy. The man's got the wrinkle certification. But once he uh, got kind of tied up with this longtime friend's little cousin, her name is Yayori. I think that's her. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, Yoi. Yeah, Yoi. Um, he realizes that he's a little bit in over his head for someone who's trying not to get too involved with spirits. She specifically found him and called him out to try to get him involved in her specific weird spirit filled agenda, thus launching him, her and this uh, longtime friend, Aiko. Iko? You want to help me with that one? I think it's just Aiko. Aiko? Sure. Iko uh, into this kind of like a uh, spirit detective see like uh, agency kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's very like inspector, but l- less of a agenda at least up front. That's uh, it's more. Ep- it gets starts a little bit episodic of the week, but then really kind of locks into like an overarching like big baddie ghost there later in the first half of the core or second half of the core. Excuse me, but um. That's really kind of what you get. You have a guy who is a bit scared, but very much a uh, a spirit magnet. You have this little lowly, but like badass in some cases, who has a very offensive, aggressive agenda against certain spirits and her own kind of methodologies to try to deal with them. And then you have Aiko, who is a bit of a wild card uh, midway to the end of uh, the first core. But I think she actually adds a lot to the show. And you don't get too many other characters. You get one more key character later, I think, in the first core. But that's the three you get. And I think I'd, I'd love to discuss them because I think they, as a trio, kind of, once you really get the fleshing out, once the, the core kind of uh, gets its legs a little bit, it, I think the three work pretty well. I think they're fun characters, like as they interact together. Yeah. So I think they did a really good job of making the characters like Aiko's a, a freaking bombshell. So she's fun to watch. Yeah. She's, and, but she's got this fucking twisted backside. Yeah. And then, yeah, Yoi is like, um, what I would consider like a dis- disaffected. 
so that's like when you uh it's called like kudere yeah yeah yeah. where you're like basically you don't show a ton of emotion right typically right but she's still super freaking cute she has like a really strong um driving force that allows like her kudere-ness and like what's going on to make sense right it would be really weird if she just like could see spirits and then was like, fuck it. I'm going to like capture spirits and like be a, a cultist. No, yeah, she has no. a really strong driving force that puts her in that mode. Every- so it makes her reasonable. Everything about the backstory they laid out for her character completely aligns with the personality she has, which is not often common. I have found with other lollies and shows like this that are kind of like your, uh, I wouldn't even call her a sidekick. She's truly a main character in this show. But like she is a character who at some point she um, are we doing spoilers, I guess, a little bit. I mean, this comes out in the first three. I was going to give a little little breakdown of what she's doing, but I don't want to spoil it too heavy. Uh, let's just talk about everything generally a little bit. And let's then- do that. Let's do that. Because I, I again, this is one of those shows that like you, you got to be a little careful about talking about it because every every episode, every couple episodes even do drop some bombs like it, it does have some spoilers. So I think overall, like you're looking at what is OK. It's billed as a horror, which I found very, dare I say, disingenuous. I will say it has a lot of really, really good horror elements and its set pieces and its narrative. But you're looking at a dark shonen, like at the end of the day. Like, yeah, that's what so it is. That is what I was going to say is I really view this as a shonen. Um, this is like probably one of my favorite, like female main character shows. And, yeah. it, and it's not because like, oh, she acts like a dude. I think she has her own like. I don't know where like some of the things that have happened go as far as like which episode. Sure. But she does like cute little girl things occasionally. You have Aiko who's very, very feminine and very, um, she's got a twisted yandere backside. Like Yayui is such a shit starter. Right. Like she loves fucking with both Kitoro and Aiko. Right. She loves fucking with both of them and she fucks them in very different ways as their relationship builds right and i love that she and it's very poignant it's very funny so it has a nice kind of i won't even call it dark comedy the comedy is pretty light and it adds a nice levity sometimes the pacing and when they drop the funny bits with the horror bits is very well done like it doesn't intrude on each other too much which is great i love right. that and, and i think that disaffected kind of like uh almost blank expression and um like she's not very up and down very often as far as like her mood no or she doesn't uh inflect much in her voice no i think that works so dry humor works incredibly well with two characters that are just fucking all over the place up and down yeah you have one who's an absolute scaredy baby pants so he always freaks out and you have one who's an absolute like closet yandere freak so like she's like having moments where she's cutesy and other moments where she wants to stab somebody she's one of my favorite yandere she's honestly (laughs) like it all makes sense for her like yandere completely suits her and i love it we'll get to her in a bit but for yayui like she is the complete like balancing act between the two and she acts as a beautiful bridge of the trio and i love the way that they use her humor so absolute fantastic usage of this character would you call it Kundere? Is that is that Ku, what K U U K Kudre? Yeah. 
Word. That's a new Duray I hadn't even heard of. Sick. All right. We're all learning stuff. I today. guess I should make sure that that's correct then, uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so uh, her her deal is that, you know, we know that Keturo can, you know, sense spirits kind of intuitively. She can literally see them. You You do see this from literally episode one. She's got double pupils that happened after an event where her parents were taken in a tragic accident. She always had it prior, but it was kind of like she couldn't quite. Maybe I think the the uh, insinuation she couldn't control it, and now she can like see both of them at the same time. She can percept both. Right. So she was. So she has polychoria, which is a real thing, evidently. You fucking dropping these five Where, syllables. All right. Well, because they were saying it's like a real thing in the show, and I wanted to look that up and be like, is it? So I I did I have looked this up previous to the show because of some other situation. Interesting. Where I have uh looked up the like can you have two pupils? Cuz yeah, real human beings with polychoria, like no offense to you if you're out there, it's a little creepy. Of course it's creepy. Um, yes. But it's just funny like her eyes look like a little skulls. Yeah, like but they, in they, real life, they do not look like that. It's no. just creepy. I think it's part of the iris just like grows a membrane in the middle. Right. Is so that there's that the or like a freckle has grown so big that it becomes like a second uh, like uh, what do you call it? Pupil. Yeah. Um, shit. Okay. But I looked I up. That. Evidently, they do really have problems with vision. Like there's there's like a it's like a depth issue and both your focal points have like almost split and merged where like you can't really see things correctly of course so you have two pupils in one eye right but there was the whole conversation here was he was looking through uh the doctor was looking at her eyes and couldn't find anything actually wrong her vision was good right oh okay and so i just wanted to see like what the real real life uh issues would be but anyway so she's she's out with her parents and has like a really bad accident and uh gets a really bad head trauma and not only does she get the ability to see everything at the same time but she also her iq fucking skyrockets she's like mensa or mesa level mensa level and like yeah yeah like 160 165 she's a fucking genius now after that there there and there have been some stories of like there's that famous one of the guy who like had a head trauma was in a coma for two weeks and woke up and knew a different language. Yeah, or multiple languages. Multiple languages just too. like suddenly did. So it's there is weird precedence for both her pupil condition and her cognitive ability. Which I, I, I think good fucking work on this show, by the way, for like trying to tie that in, right? <laughs> like honestly, right? Well, I also think that it's potentially um, a lot of people have this. Uh, I guess not a lot of people, but people who claim to have seen the other side of life or, or like life or death of death. Yes. Uh, some of those people have come back and been able to speak languages they shouldn't know how to speak. Incredible. Um, they also people who claim to have been possessed. Similar situation. Like they'll come back and they can speak like Aramaic. Like, like really weird really shit well. like that. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Um, Anyway, the the point being, like, there is like some basis for this in real life, which was very interesting to me. They they took the time to try to like hyperbolize something that actually exists, which is cool. Yeah. So Kudere is a character who is calm <laughs> and collected on the outside and never panics. They show little emotion, and in extreme cases, are completely emotionless. But they may be hiding their true feelings deep down. 
So she okay. fits that archetype phenomenally. Pretty, pretty perfectly. Which to be is honest. funny because her cousin is insanely yonder. Absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah bonkers, <laughs> baby. But yeah, so she she gains this cognitive ability, which I think also it it adds to the coup de ray kind of situation because she seems to rationalize after she wakes up her parents' death pretty calmly, like to the point where she has a plan. She has an agenda. She saw when she got in that wreck that her mother's spirit was taken by something. We don't know what at that point, but she did see her father's spirit on his own grave, but her mother's spirit was nowhere to be found. So she had an agenda, a plan, that she needed to find the thing that took her mother by any means necessary. That's probably the most striking point of her personality. She's very uh, unusually ruthless in a lot of her executions of these... uh, of these ghost hunting exca- uh, excavations or, you know, like uh, um, plans that she kind of puts together. And that's where uh, Kiatoro kind of comes into play, that he's a fucking spirit magnet. Yeah. So I, I actually really love this like Starkey, Starsky and Hutch kind of idea where she can see them and knows has all the skills. But he's a mother effing magnet and can feel them from like full on miles away. Yeah, so he doesn't have necessarily the precision she does, but his sensitivity is off the charts. Right. And they all are sensitive to him, so he can literally be this magnet. There's a scene where she's, like, kind of, like, locked down and, and like, uh, behind enemy lines in a shrine. So he just runs around in all the, the shrine and all the spirits are following him. <laughs> and he figures it out, like, shit, if I just get them all there and I just run around and I can pick her up and we can just bounce. And they do that. And it works. It actually kind of works. So there, you, you said Starsky and Hutch is actually a great comparison that, like, one is, like, playing by the rules of the world and the other one is just this, like off-the-cuff, kind of, like, play-it-by-ear kind of situation. Right. It's kind of fun. It's a really fun uh, spirit-hunting duo kind of situation. Yeah, so it really, like, I think plays toward the shonen archetype really, really well. Yes, absolutely. Um, because it's, like, children in some regard. He's a college freshman, so he's older. But, yeah, Yoi, I think, is only supposed to be in third grade or something. She a wee lass. Like she, yeah, she's, she's like she's a very little young, ass kid. But she's smart as fuck. Like he even said like I gave her like a workbook from like a very prestigious middle school and she clapped it. No GG no re. Like literally no diff. She goes like she does peace sign easy peasy. <laughs> easy peasy. I'm like that was calculus. <laughs> yeah. That was calculus my girl. So just, sick. Yeah. So I mean that's what we're getting at. And I, what are your thoughts on Kitaro? Like I think him as a main as the main male lead he's fine he actually has a pretty decent arc about like getting he has a reason to be timid in the face of the supernatural but his arc to overcome it actually it makes a lot of sense i think like he's the the person that got cursed with him is also he finds out is way cooler about it than he thought it <laughs> thought she was um but yeah I, so i think i i can understand his his point of view a lot. If you if you are essentially the cause of somebody you are friends with or love getting injured, I think that is probably significantly harder than like you yourself get cursed. Let's just say, yeah. Right? Like, and they they explore that deeper in later episodes. Yeah, you've seen it in episodes seven and eight. Uh, there's another character who's essentially also cursed. Yes, and that curse and, has a lot of implications. Yeah, but she's also got this like spirit shield essentially that's blocking all the curses on the other people near her. Right, which is kind of an interesting parallel between Kitro and Yayoi. 
because she's kind of his shield to the first half of the show. Right. So, which is interesting. Um, so his, him being like scaredy cat, I think makes total sense. What I am unsure of and can't quite put my finger on yet, and I've, I'm caught up 17 episodes in, is um, what's her face? Uh, Aiko I, keeps oh. saying like things or referencing things to say that he actually really loves it. And they'll show like a flashback from her perspective where he's like pretend or saying he's super, super, super scared. But then he's got like this insane smile on his face when he's doing like, like making the call in episode one or whatever it is. Yeah, that was the part I I haven't gotten. Yes, I did see the couple of those flashbacks. And I think I'm wondering about that, too. And I think it's important to bring up maybe uh, Aiko's kind of personality here and, and her role in all this, because spoiler alert. The person that the uh, the main character, Kitaro, kind of got involved with the nasty spirit and got someone else cursed, that's Aiko. That's her. That's a childhood friend that he has had for a hot minute now. And she, like him, both have this curse where, like, the nerves on their hands are, like, growing, like, out and crazy. And, like, maybe, like, their own bodies are kind of protecting themselves against this, like, this curse. I can't, I couldn't quite put my finger on why that was all happening. I think he's literally cursed down to his nervous system. I think that's what it was. Yeah, so they all their nerves are essentially external, but only on their hands. Right, and to the point where, like, his, uh, Ketro's uh, grandma, basically, she's like a shaman at a shrine, and, like, will do, like, prayers and cut them off routinely to keep him, like, at bay. But the thing is, she not only is way fucking down for this shit, Two other things about her personality that I kind of love for the sake of the show. One, Yandere, she wants Kietro's dick so bad. So Yandere. So Yandere, yeah, she I wants it, it so fucking bad. And like, he's like, uh-huh, yeah, we'll date. And she's like, uh-huh, let's do it. And she, they do it. Like, not do it, but like, she does the dating thing. And like, I, I find that interesting for a character like Kietro because like, the person that he is getting involved in this whole supernatural thing to protect and try to lift the curse for is now encouraging him to continue onward whether he likes it or not because after that point when they start dating she is spurring yaoi to keep him involved in their schemes so like he feels selflessness to try to lift her curse as well as his but also like she is the one making him do the things he doesn't necessarily want to do it's very fascinating as right. a concept. So there is like a lot of, I think, nuance to this show, which there's, I did not expect. Not at all. I was going to say that there's a little bit more character nuance in the relationships that there's layers here. There's a lot it. of like behind the scenes stuff that our main character just does not know. No. Not even, like, and, and the other thing, too, is she's super into tech. She's super my speed as a programmer. She's a motherfucking legit hacker, like doxer extraordinary. And... Like, I find that interesting as someone who is so neck deep in science and the idea of scientific proof is still engaged in the supernatural shit. I mean, so that's her whole thing is like she wants to be able to like show that this either does or does not exist 100 percent. She wants to be on the cutting edge of experiencing this thing that uh, like is unexplainable. And she mentions multiple times, like, every other piece of science is incredibly easy to me. Right. She says, I have not struggled with a single other thing in school. 
So what I want to do is to find the thing that I cannot explain or that nobody has been able to like prove and do that. And scientific method, the madness, essentially. Like she yeah. wants to find uh, an explanation for all of this shit that her little cousin just happens to have a beat on. Well, it's almost like she doesn't necessarily care about the scientific method for this. She just wants to experience something that she does like is not like can't supposed explain. to be right yeah, like can't explain through um, typical means yeah and we find out that she's been insanely fascinated with ghosts etc since she was a little little girl she had a she has a fucking magazine about it right and so um Keitaro is scared because he's been uh he's not fascinated by it but he's been uh, around it non-stop he's had no choice right so, I think, yeah. so these are actually this is where i think this show does so much better than like a makero or whatever that show was called oh yeah like where she you know is always around it but she has to like ignore it to just keep a normal life right like yeah. if you're in a situation where you see this all the time you're gonna be trying to do things to work toward like either avoiding it or dealing with it like like coping, like, yeah, literally. Like Yayui and uh, Keitaro, they take action one way or the other to either deal with or combat their their specific situations. Yeah, he's literally going to a spiritual chiropractor every other every so often, and Yayui is basically building a fucking collection of like which we will t- i want to talk about in a second of like spirits in her fucking bedroom. This is this is literally ghost Pokemon. Yeah, and it's incredibly well done i think it's like the it's like the scariest form of experience share because when she goes out and collects or combats more spirits she she has found a method to actually disperse spiritual damage from like a a ghost or an entity trying to like attack her she can defer that damage to all these other spirits she's collected because of two rules that she's established in this universe that she figured out through experimentation. One, any spirit possessed inside of a physical space is confined to said physical space when done right. Two, when some biological aspect of someone's person, fingernails, nerves, anything, hair, anything, is attached to that possessed space that 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 spirit is residing in it will feel that damage that psychic damage that they otherwise would experience on their own bodies so the larger her collection the bigger her shield which i think there's a couple interesting implications that are awesome there that the show does play on and one big one later that i love the way that they did this it's very simple it's a very simple rudimentary power system that allows for some really cool interactions and I'm shocked that I've, I've, I haven't seen this before, honestly. Yeah, so that's another piece of this this puzzle that's great. It's not like all mystery. Um, I think they did a really good job of setting up what happens in this world as far as like um, what the different ranks of ghosts means. Yes. Like they, yes. directly toward humanity. 100%. I think they did a great job of showing like different ways that she is combating situations, different ways she is like pokeballing ghosts in little dolls essentially like how she's fighting ghosts with ghosts what exactly is going on in those fights what's happening when uh there's quite a few situations where like all the ghosts in her room like will combat something let's i want to give i'm going to give a raw example of that where she'll basically manage to trap and possess a spirit in a physical object or take a piece of a possessed physical object back with her 
to her room. And then the other ghosts in the room will literally tear the ethereal version of that ghost apart, trapped within it, to the point where it begs for mercy. So then she can then imbue it with some of her fingernails or hair or something to make it part of her collection. Fucking twisted. Love it. Love it so much. Yeah. And um, she brings up this this concept that does exist in real life called Kodanchi. Tell me about that. I forgot uh, about that. It's where you put a shitload of poisonous bugs in a bowl. Yes, And the thank last you. Yep. one alive is like uber poisonous. We saw some of that in other anime in the past. Right. Where basically you breed it almost in a combative space these poisonous animals or bugs. And then the last one standing is like the strongest of the poison. And you use that as a weapon. Yeah. So that's in um, Baki as well. Yes. Uh, they think, mentioned his poison. I think Naruto's got a bit of that with uh our our bug user clan our boys totally possible yeah. i know i know it's a real thing that it is, is exists That's cool. so um bringing that concept in that is a known concept and explaining like this is how i'm doing it i think incredibly well done from a like setting of the show the the best part about the show is we know the goal from the beginning but we don't really understand what it means until we get farther along to like the strength of ghosts or strength of spirits to see which ones like, like uh, for example, they at some point wanted to go all the way across Japan, take all the strongest ghosts and then use them as an army against this like big bad ghost. Right. And there's rankings they put in all these locations. When we get to see our first S rank ghost and then our second S rank ghost, it like changes your perspective on what the fuck is going to happen here. Like the the way that they like next tier these ghosts is very, I think, well crafted. Right? There's a ghost that literally can manipulate the messages between this team, and by basically fucking in an information war, like like basically like manipulating information and communications between the enemy. This ghost is uh, is 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 literally like little boying every other ghost that has ever come before it in a very simple way it almost it doesn't feel like it's like this grandstand spirit bomb kind of power it's very subtle it's very weird and the other one's very illusory like like showing people getting like you know uh there is some notes of uh suicidal tendencies in the show but it's more imagery and they don't explore it too much but the the hanging uh vision uh visions that it would give to our main characters it's it's very subtle but it's psychological it's very much in the head of these king characters so s rank ghosts aren't inherently more powerful because they can do more supernatural shit but they have a uh, more precise control over very specific aspects and i love that shit well so the what separates s rank ghosts from other ghosts is two things you are either stuck in a scenario forever yeah trapped forever unless you solve it or kill the ghosts yeah or they can like direct you directly curse you forever oh that's right yeah so there's actual like physical criteria to these things which is like i think just another incredible way of like showing these are more serious yeah oh yeah Right. And then uh, they also do a good job just like artistically of showing like the locked down area of the, the mountain ghosts in the um, H uh, city H castle. Like castle or whatever. H, I think yeah. they called it. Yeah. Um, it but anyway, the, the point is, I think they've done a really good job of putting like 
what is going to happen out on, on a table. And then they kind of, um, they are slowly getting us involved in this world to where Keitaro's finally on board, let's just say, like six episodes in. I would say about six or seven, yeah. And then yep. she's like, okay, well, we've been playing with little babies. Now let's go play like really hardball. And she, um, she's the one who's driving all this too, right. right? It's not like they come necessarily to our main trio. She seeks, the, Yayoi seeks them out. It's right. it's very kind of scary because like it, it's it's more or less like she her agenda aligns with Kitro's like trying to lift the curse so that's why he's been playing along this whole time but she ratchet is she ratchets up like what they seek out so fast like so quick and I think that that inherent ramping up does add to the horror factor a bit that like there are moments later at least in the first quarter from what I saw that really like put them on the back foot. Like there's a scene later where after Aiko and Ketro basically admits that they're dating now and it's cool, but he goes back and reaches for what he thinks is her hand. And it's the fucking ghosts. Like, like, Ooh, like it was completely kind of like, Oh, shown in fun time adventure in spooky land until it's like, okay, shit just got real immediately quick. And that's always a good trope in horror. Like, make us feel complacent and then drop the floor out. And I think this show does that later in the core a lot better. And I think that's a good way to raise the stakes, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we're like pretty far in here. So I think we can like get into some spoilers. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so, uh, her whole goal. Yayoi, is when she woke up from the, from the crash, she saw this like absurd, they're calling it specter of death. Um, spirit like essentially stealing her mom's spirit away from the crash which is horrifying for someone who can see spirits and then not see the one you want to see that's a scary thought right so so she realizes this did happen and then her whole goal is to build up a strong enough army to essentially go fight this thing so she's literally just like building a legion Right, and uh, they do an incredible job later of also equating like the different levels of ghost she has to what she needs to to do so essentially she says she's killed a really strong entity with three of her graduate class ghosts i love that she ranks her own just that that makes ranking actually like a different she has her own ranks like in her own army like she has to rank them to know what to use as a weapon that's a great way to have a ranking system and then it is also i think a really interesting and correct trope to bring in the fact that like to kill something is easier than to capture something of course she wants to capture this god yeah to use it against the specter of death and she says well three i could potentially kill it but i think to capture it i need six that's incredible again that is just a well written kind of like shonen-y kind of like strategery right right there. yeah and so i just i really love that they've they've got a goal now what i am confused about is she has really strong spirits why don't they just go stop him his curse now that's a good question because honestly she, they were going to to um to kill or to grab this thing called kishimonji which i guess it was a previous god or goddess that was in involved in like childbirth or something like that, but that was the, that got was the twisted. One, that was the one earlier on that right. like another god had taken a child away from her, and she understood the loss of a child 
and then she like uh, she stopped taking kids, but she was still evil. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was a little, little confusing. Weird. Yeah, but the fact is, her graduates are stupid strong already. So why would you even still need Kishimonji to deal with the curse? I I don't know. They they kind of they they this is like really one of the only couple of plot holes that I've seen. Whereas like they're so strong now with the ghosts they have at this point at episode seventeen. There's no reason to like leave their curse alone. I think I haven't seen up to seventeen, but if I if I can make an extrapolation, it's that it plays into her character that she is oftentimes we've seen in the show almost needlessly ruthless, like needlessly aggressive. So maybe she's being overly cautious and just trying to just like she doesn't want to just come in and like yeah, we can get by. We, I think we can get by. She's like, I want to walk in and have a hundred percent guarantee I can do this. I, like, I, I want to be fucking ruthless. I here. think they one hundred percent could get rid of his curse right now. So Maybe at at time of seventeen, you think? I think at time of episode one. There's no way. From what I hear, oh fair. I mean, so I, she's she's got all these graduates elsewhere. The entire show that we do know. Yeah, later in the show we do find out about that. But so she's had like four mega ghosts other places. <laughs> maybe she still thinks there's something about it that like well, again, maybe maybe her holding that grudge makes her feel like I, again, I don't want to just win. I want to dominate like I want to like 110 percent. I genuinely believe it is like just a plot hole at this point. I Fair do, enough. OK, there's no uh, I think plot reason why they couldn't get rid of it. Okay. okay. I think they were they were diddling and daddling for a while with using it as an option little for where, little daddle here, where yeah. Kate Rowe could be like, well, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but I want to lift your curse, Echo. Uh, That's what I was hoping was the oh. was the reason they hadn't done anything. It might about still, it. It might still be. I mean, he's he's balls to the walls in on the squad now. Yeah, he they're they're a trio. Um, and so it doesn't make sense to me why they would like leave this out. Um, okay. Anyway, I'm just explaining that's a massive plot hole that I've got issues with at the moment. Can I the, give maybe an issue of mine? Sure. I think there's the clear, glaring issue for me for this show, which, which will maybe result in a score lower than you think it deserves. Okay. This show, as good as it is, has been billed on all the platforms. I looked on, on Annie List, Mal... Uh, live chart which we use a lot in our seasonal previews horror psychological horror supernatural horror ghost horror all of it this show is a shonen through and through is not inherently a bad thing but i think because of its usage of shonen tropes here has completely at times undercut the horror of it all like there are moments where they come in so prepared that it feels like a really fun shonen, like a very well-constructed shonen, but it completely undercuts all of the stakes of a horror. Like, I think there are scenes in the second half of the first core that really do kind of like, give me the heebie-jeebies. But I think when you construct this like a team of ghost hunters, not people who are forced to go expose themselves to ghosts because i think the first half of that part is is interesting they have an initiative they have a goal that does preclude them to go get haunted like they aren't haunted accidentally right they go and seek it out it's almost like a mob psycho they go and find the haunting because that's part of their agenda but 
where Mob Psycho was billed as a shonen, and it works completely in that regard, this show is billed as a horror, but it feels like a shonen, and all the times I feel like, oh, there's a scare coming, they shonen their way out of it. That's not necessarily a bad thing, So, but as a horror show, I think it falls almost completely flat, except for a couple scenes that I think really elevate this as better than some other horrors, but it's so few and far between that it just it feels like a shonen, you know? Like, at the end of the day, it's a dark shonen. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not what I put my wet signature on. I was hoping for a, I was hoping for a horror. Yeah, so unfortunately, I think the next episode that you have not watched is, like, really the start of the ramp on horror. And you know what? It, the, the show is good enough. I will immediately go definitely... Well, not immediately. I gotta go to a spooky game night after this. But, <laughs> uh, but 100%. Like, it, the, the show has enough really good character interactions and narrative and overall plot is very well constructed that I will continue to watch this show. It's 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 definitely on the top of my list right now. Yeah, I think the horror ramps up, but I also disagree that so far there hasn't been any horror. I did not say I said there are. You said it falls flat for you. It falls almost completely flat, but there are moments in this that do generate true. And this again, this is coming from a veteran horror fan. There are moments for a veteran horror fan that do genuinely uh, induce dread, but it, it isn't completely devoid, but it almost completely falls flat as a horror anime. Yeah. Now a horror shonen. Now we're getting somewhere, but it's not built that way. It's not what it's pitched as. And I think that's that's part of it is that if you're going to be pitched as a horror show, do the horror thing. But if you're going to pitch it as like it on none of the tags on any of these sites ever said shown such an absurdly boring IP if it was horror exclusive, then can we that that leads to the final question. Can we ever get just a flat horror? I mean, you just didn't you recently just kind of binge the Junji Ito collection. No, no, no. I'm saying we could do that the next episode. We maybe should because I did watch the first couple episodes and it's actually not bad. I've read all of what he's written. It's fantastic. Right. So all I'm saying is like. Like, I would say if you're talking flat horror, Meruko-san is probably better than this because... I'd agree. It was, yeah. it was, she had no agency whatsoever, and that is a horrific place to be in. I think that's part of the horror. They had so much agency in this show that it did undercut a bit of that. But again, for a shonen, fucking tops. Like, but I almost great. feel like the fact that they have to fight with such absurdly strong things in the future now that we know where we're at makes this like give that tautness to the show where you're like a little bit on the edge of your spe- your seat as to like what's happening next. For instance, like there's some really sick shit that happens in episodes 16 and 17 coming up for you. Okay. Um, that like I'm I, it episode 17 came out today and i watched it and i like feel still a little bit ill about it <laughs> holy shit that bad yeah okay so, that, like, that's good for, that's good news for me they as a ramp fan. the they ramp the like um almost taboo-ness of what the fuck is going on oh say right? less my guy and so like i i feel like the horror aspects really play in once once yayaoi has gotten keitaro to agree to start doing shit that's like actually scary. Do you know Be- what I mean? Because she's already she's been so deep in the game for so long. But so she- when he finally says, "Yeah, okay, I'm fully in," she's like, "All right, 
ramp the shit. Like, let's so actually she's get had you to into like it. slowly pull him in That's through true. less scarier situations to get him more uh, acclimated to right. the situation. And so yeah. I think that's one situation where like you almost need to watch the full two cores to feel where their goal is from the horror perspective. Because, like, obviously, if you brought this guy into episode one on an S-Class ghost, like, this is not happening. He's leaving. He's immediately walking out. Like, I'm done. We're fu- <laughs> no, Fuck that. Absolutely um, not. And then another thing is, like, as we've gotten farther into the season, um, past where you've watched, he's just getting, like, more and more fucked up. Like, as far as, like, he's taking on a lot of curses right now. He is... He's, he's getting, like, battle damaged every every episode. I mean, near the end of the first quarter, he definitely was taking on some shit, like... <laughs> and so, I'm really hoping that there's gonna be some, um, maybe a realization from both Yayoi, but um, for sure, Aiko needs to, like, get her shit together a little bit here to realize, like, her boyfriend is getting absolutely manhandled by these ghosts every episode emotional damage right right like um and so that's where i'm hoping this goes is like there is gonna need to be a little bit of a reckoning they tried to do it with with aiko in episode 16 17 you you think that didn't quite hit the cut for you to like make her be a support system well the problem is she's so down for it that she's letting like kate rose anguish like not be real does that make sense it does and i almost feel as though i think it would be very interesting and again haven't seen it but maybe you haven't seen this too is that by some supernatural means aiko can experience the way like the supernatural the way that yaoi and ketro can actually like experience it too just for a moment so she does so she could finally understand so then there's like an actual sense of like empathy like there right so in, she, in a way that she probably could be empathetic but not in the way that someone like again you can't like describe a pain to somebody else that's never felt it yeah right? so she finally has her like come to jesus moment but i don't think she lets it um expand her mind enough to realize like you might have a hard time right now but katero deals with this on the fucking daily oh, right like an expanding okay. yeah. of perception yeah. has not happened yet um, and then the other piece of the puzzle is like she doesn't care about the the curse that she has because she feels it's like a connector with Katero. That's part of the yandere she's, thing. She's like, oh, this is my this is like ours. So there is that's again, that's part of the layered character writing they have is that she is OK with like going along with the supernatural and never really expanding perception on it because she feels she already has a special connection with her one true love and like just lets that be it. And that, again, so bad. The character writing in this show is fucking great. It's so good. And it's also I, just like, other than that one plot point I mentioned, like, the plot is tight. It's at, The pacing There's, is tight. The plot is tight. There was a few situations early on. We knew she's a little yandere, but we didn't know the extent where she would just, like, find him in the middle of the city after he, like, right? was, was not around them. That and I'm like, so weird. She, like, would drive straight to him. And I'm like, he's like, how did you find me? But it only took... It only took the show, like, I think the intro of, like, episode four or five to show how that happens. And then they, they, they're they just like, okay, that's part of it now. 
Yeah, they don't so, they don't they don't linger on these plot points. They just show it when it's required and they move on. Yeah. It's so fucking great. Episode five, they dropped the bomb of like That's how young okay. Ray she is. Yeah. That was my favorite episode by a million percent. It was so because good. once Yayoi figures out how like down bad she is for him, She's, she goes She starts so much shit. She goes like, I love you, but big yikes. <laughs> yeah, absolute big yikes. And then uh she's like, So uh you have his like a video from his glasses, you have his heart rate, you have his breath rate, you yeah, have his so direct fun. location. <laughs> she's like did you, uh, how, where'd you get it? She's like, I built it. Like, wow. But still big yikes. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. But like, eesh. Yeah. Uh, um, and they're like, the way they interplay is incredible because they clearly know what's like, they have confounded this plot of the show and Kate is really just like riding along. And we don't really know that till much later. Or, or like we could probably suspect early on. If anything, it's actually kind of a good lesson on how to do a passive main like MC. Yeah. Right. Because the the passivity of the MC seemed like it was the world around him that was reacting. Not nah, fam. It's these two crazy chicks. Like that's really kind of driving him along. And then his agency builds as Yayui kind of like gets him to like sign off on like more and more crazy shit. He gains agency, but he doesn't quite understand the full breadth of the world he wants to be an agent in, which is great. And I love that idea. So, you know what? Final thoughts. Big ups on this show. Like, it, I went in thinking like, ooh, everyone's talking about it being spookier than most, but like, I left it thinking like, this is a, while it may not 100% scratch the horror itch for me. I'll just give it a couple ups. Every, again, I still have more to see. There may be some things that will scratch that itch, but everything else about it, the shonen tropes that they use and almost sometimes subvert the tight cast of characters and the way they interact and are written, and even the overarching pace and plot. All of this shit is tight. I want to hear your I want to hear your score after your final thoughts, because like, have you ever been to a haunted location? I have. You and I have both been to a haunted location. Eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. I was going to talk about uh, I went to like a old Alabaman mental hospital from Ooh, the like gotta love a good haunted mental hospital from the old 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 days where they like for sure were fucking people up definitely shocking people to death and it's yeah. just a it's like a situation where you can like literally feel something's in the air regardless of whether you actually experience anything it's just got a different vibration right yeah. like it is off kilter to what you would expect or like you step in it's like a middle of the summer you you drove through all these like cotton fields to get to this Alabama hospital. Up, like straight up daytime and you're still like and it's a like, cold as shit inside and you're like, this doesn't make sense. And then like I think that's what's a tough thing to you cannot translate that feeling through the screen, regardless of what like techniques artistically you use. That's why I think real life versus animation is why that like animation is yet to breach into that level of horror because real life footage cinema managed to get close to that feeling but to your point it never quite gets being there right but at least real life just manages to get closer but i don't think animation has really gotten there for me at least yet for an example i think uh one of the creepiest scenes in my opinion in paranormal activity is when she's just like standing up hovering above him basically for three hours yeah like that is a horrific situation where if you watch that in an anime i think it would fall essentially deaf yes like, it 100%. would not be interesting at all it would have zero impact 
Yeah. But the, like seeing an a real human being standing for three hours, just like ba- barely like, you know, rocking, rocking back and forth, just like <sighs> staring at like a creature that it wants to eat. So I think for me is that when it comes to horror, you have to subvert currently played tropes. I think things like Madoka Magica kind of got me creeped out uh, after school live got me creeped out because it took the lowly Moe thing and just like the backdrop for the first three eps was just like, wait, what the fuck was that? Like it like subvert what you already have. And that's horror. It's it's a dissonance. It's a cognitive dissonance that only I think anime can produce a very specific type of horror, but not many have explored that yet. And I think Junji Ito is a great manga horror panelist. Like I have his stuff downstairs. Man, that shit creeps me out. He knows how to do it. And there's some people that really know how to do it. So it's going to be look like a different flavor. But when it comes to horror, this show doesn't quite hit all the time, but it does sometimes. But everything else is an absolute clapper, in my opinion. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things you've ever suggested. Hey, look at that. I okay. really, really, really liked this show a lot. Let me see that. I sco- watched. Let me see, I want to see that score. I'm 13 really straight episodes last night. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah. I did not go to bed till like 4 a.m. I got you on a, I got you on a bender. You fucked me up. Ooh, that's a rarity. I'm into that. Um, I'll take that to the bank. Let's so go. I am going to give this like a 92. I genuinely. Holy shit. Like other than the one little plot hole, like I said, I really think this is an insanely tight plot, first of all, which is extremely important to me. Okay. Right? Like if they were doing all this, like the reason I hated Moroko-san is, or whatever it's called. Uh, is there was like no movement plot wise period and it was like she only got up the nerve eventually to try to protect her like you know energy friend uh who's like shooting off all that energy like that was the only really progression to the whole plot yeah and uh like i think it was creepy or potentially in some situations on maruko sound or whatever but what they did instead of like melding in like a cool plot that's interesting or like a shonen plot is they decided to like random fan service like bad situations that's where fair. like I think um just the overall package we've received here is much higher quality. Um I yeah. think so all the ratings for these episodes, like even on like IMBD, et cetera, are low like too low i think they're like 7.5 and below say, that feels low and i it don't does. agree one iota that the, it deserves to be that low unless people are um putting into the their their putting them their selves into Katesaro and being like this guy's getting like bullied by these two girls here's my thought man i think people walked in hoping for horror like, cause, cause well, it, let me uh, give you an example ass. though. Like, like yeah, okay. episodes sixteen and seventeen are like the most horror by far. Sure. Like I just read an entire Reddit thread where people are like, "I am genuinely sickened," and that has the lowest rating so far, of like low sixes. That's not mild shock. That's real shock. What the fuck? I like, think that people, seems weird. Like that's what. But people I don't wanted. think people want actual horror. What the fuck? That I think they want like, uh. they want Morocco saying that's horror. Oh, that's that's okay that's fine community you're wrong you're just wrong because like horror is such a deficient anemic category in the anime space that when they finally hit what is what is y'all's problem i'm gonna give this this show from what i've seen a score of 82 okay and that is up to 12 but from what you have said and the score that you've given it i have high hopes for the second core when i'm 
immediately start watching it. But that is putting it in the great category for me. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't tr- think 13 is a great episode, and that's another one of the lower episodes. That's your next one. Okay. But beyond that, it gets it starts ramping up like aggressively. And then like just I think um like genuine horrors that people have or like genuine fears that people have get explored in the next episodes after that. It looks like I have a monster just waiting right around the corner. Yeah. I love it. But you know what? Thank you guys for coming to this spooky, eh, maybe it's kind of spooky class this week. Hey, hit us up in the Discord. Let us know if you find this show to be spooky or you just were not amused by the horror. Uh, elements of this show or what costume are you wearing this week come on now <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna have one because i've been gamut there the full gamut there of questions but we can talk about all that stuff in the discord patreon.com slash ubology one dollar up get you into that discord with all of our past guests and the lovely patreon folk i'm actually going to be on a show here in about a month where we discuss um some of the best powers in anime if you want to uh maybe give me some ammo to like come in on that one i need i need your okay. help in the background but $3 and up gets you the syllabus sidebar show we kind of used to do. I'm not even saying hiatus anymore. We're in a different different vibe on that one. But <laughs> 30, 30 plus episodes where we talk about life and shit and other stuff where we, uh, you know, it doesn't really fit in the anime bucket. But if you want to give us a little high or a little bit of communications, any of our social links or some merch, if you want some of that, webology.com. All of our links and merch are right there. Like, comment, subscribe, anywhere you do that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think, wow, that got that quicker than I thought I, I'm sorry. I went a little. We have schedule. so much time. Wow. I, I don't know what to do with all this time. Uh, I do a dance, but that's not really good for an audio format. Yeah. I, anyway, so yeah. thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week. Catch you later. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs> Bye. You threw me for a loop by doing the finish of that one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>